We're starting a new series today called Travel Light. And when I think of traveling light, I think of backpacking. So I brought my backpack up here as an illustration of that. And um, we are a church that actually, that's our whole purpose, is to help people move from one place to another. But it's not traveling the sense that we normally think. It's how to move from wherever you are to where God wants you to be. But in that process, <clears throat> there is... It's a lot like this metaphoric backpack where you can't have everything fit in. You've got to literally let some things go to put the right things in, and we're talking about that today. So today's topic is letting go of stuff. And you're thinking, are you kidding? It's Christmas, and you're talking about letting go of stuff? I mean, so much stuff is all about Christmas. And, and so, yeah, we are going to talk about that. It's kind of a tricky topic to talk about. And, and if you're prone to um, be offended and get your toes stepped on, I recommend putting your toes under the chair in front of you or behind you so I can't step on those toes. But I want you to know that really this message is more about me making sure that I view stuff correctly and maybe you can learn some things too. Because... The serious truth is, I keep carrying a bunch of stuff that I shouldn't be carrying. And sometimes I'm adding things that I shouldn't be carrying. And the big reminder for this whole series is this. This world is not our home. We're traveling through. And the concept of traveling light is so important with that. And just in case that idea is kind of new to you, even just the idea that this world is not our home, our Savior came to literally help us move from a mess into a relationship with Him that is forever in a forever home with Him, and that forever begins now. But He begins to address some things in our life even now. So maybe you already said yes to Jesus, but we have some things to deal with as it relates to carrying stuff we shouldn't be carrying. So there's five weeks in December, and so there's five sessions in this series, uh, Travel Light. So today is letting go of stuff. Next week is letting go of distractions. And then week three, letting go of bitterness. Week four, letting go of control. And week five, letting go of your past. So as it relates to backpacking. Um, one of the reasons I've thought of this is that in a metaphoric sense, this is a lot like our life. I mean, if you've never been backpacking, you need to know that backpackers typically are very weight conscious. They literally are cutting their toothbrushes in half and measuring out their toothpaste in another container and doing all these things to make their load that they carry lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter. When I first started out in backpacking, I started out with a borrowed backpack that was pretty small, so it was pretty easy. If it didn't fit, you didn't take it. And so the pack by design was lighter. Then I got into my own backpack, and new backpacks were uh, kind of being introduced, and internal frames were kind of the thing. And then I began to upsize. Now, this particular pack 
is only packed with a loose sleeping bag right now, so it's really easy for me to maneuver. But this pack is an expedition pack, and all the straps get looser and looser, and it gets wider and wider, and the top, literally, the straps loosen up, and the top can be lifted up, lifted up, and there's a telescoping um, sleeve inside that can go higher and higher and higher. I made the mistake of getting larger and a larger pack. But I compounded the mistake by being less and less backpacker-like in my packing. And so on one particular occasion, I telescoped the thing up. It was going to be a short trip, and yet it was a desert trip, so I'm carrying a lot of water for a lengthy hike because there's no water on the lengthy hike. And so the thing was pretty heavy, but I wanted everything. I wanted my camera. I wanted my binoculars. I wanted everything. I, I wanted my tent. I wanted the tarps. I wanted the... Uh, my pack weighed 70 pounds. <laughs> and stupid me, I carried it down the canyon. <laughs> and more stupid me, I was taking pictures of the beauty and the people I was with, they were way in front of me. And so to catch up, I ran with my pack downhill and something went in my left knee. And it was horrible. It was not only painful, but it was frightening because we were close to the bottom and I had to get out. It's like, what am I going to do? And here I am. Well, coming out, I offloaded and traveled light. All my family members carried all the extra stuff so that I could walk out uh, with a lighter pack. Well, there's a lot to this. You know, in my younger years, talking about this kind of concept, in my younger years, I probably would have come out more like a John the Baptist prophet. <laughs> you have lots of stuff and it's really bad for you. But that's easy to preach when you don't have lots of stuff. So just like in backpacking, I was upsizing, upsizing, upsizing. Back in those days, you know, we lived in an apartment. We had one piece of furniture, a bed. We added a rocker. It was just like that kind of thing. And then later, we moved into a rental house. We upsized. And then we downsized to buy a house. <laughs> then we upsized again and upsized again. That's the extent of the upsizing. But maybe you've had this experience. I upsized my garage for all my stuff. <laughs> I upsized my house so that I can put stuff under the house. And I have a shed also to put stuff in my stuff. Maybe you can relate. So I'm preaching to me as it relates to traveling light. What's wrong with stuff? Well, nothing's wrong with stuff, but there's a trap here. So before backpacking, you take everything and inventory it, and you look at everything you need for your trip, and you're having to pick and choose. Okay, I would like to take this, but food is better. <laughs> I'm going to take food. This is a long trip. i got to have food. So your food is first, your water is next, your first aid, and you're sleeping, and you're covering the blah, 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 blah. And then you start going with the things that could be extras. And then here's what usually happens. You load it all up, and you get on the scale. You go, mm, got to limit that down. Once you, start, once you do this injury thing, you're serious about it. I mean, really serious about it. And so I would arrive at trailheads, and it's like, oh, it's still too heavy, and offload and put it back in the car, and then go as light as I possibly can, because when your knee's not good, you're going to need to be very, very careful. So 
It's not about the size of the pack. It's also about the packer. It's also about the condition of the packer. And while that stuff affects the packer. And so we're talking about all of these kinds of things in this first one. So let's start with this tough concept. Number one, it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Now I've set you up to agree with this one because we're talking backpacking. How many of you agree with this one? It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. But in reality, even as it comes to camping, you don't agree with me. You go, are you kidding me? Backpacking and you wouldn't be caught dead outside without a toilet. I wouldn't be caught dead sleeping on the ground. And you're thinking, oh, no way. Car camping is the max. And the others will go, car camping? I'm still on the ground. Trailer for me. We've got this really cushy bed. And we've got this generator. And we've got the TV. And we've got the AC. And we've got the cooler. Man, it's all trailer for me. And somebody goes, trailer? Five-star hotel for me, baby. You know? And somebody goes, hotel? Five-star resort for me. You know? All of us have a different way of looking at the idea of what is great? Well, for backpacking, for me, was when you have less stuff, you get to places nobody else gets to. And it's really, really amazing. It's like you get into these little paradise settings where there's no gardener, and it's like, whoa, who does this? And God says, it's just a reminder that there really is a paradise that doesn't have to be destroyed by man or kept by man. Just a little reminder here out in the beauty of the wilderness. So now I've got a dog named Sierra. Anyway, loved to hike in the Sierras when we lived in California. So it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Now, how many of, give me the Sunday school answer now. It's okay. How many of you agree that's particularly true for the Christmas season? Let's have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. We all agree with it, but don't we all struggle with it? Because what doesn't matter seems to be grabbing our attention and it's the stuff and it's the this and this and that. And you're thinking, oh man, I can't believe you're preaching this now. You should have preached it last week before Black Friday, (laughs) right? It's okay, it's okay. You can still be okay and adjust because tomorrow's Cyber Monday. So (laughs) here we go. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. So... Our reflect that we want to look at right now is, doesn't it seem like everywhere you look, there is a message that goes something like this, more is better. Every time you, do you ever, anybody watch TV, network TV, where there's still commercials? Nobody, okay, never mind. No, I mean, commercials, it's like, more is better. Magazines, more is better. Billboards, more is better. My heart, more is better. Oops where my heart starts to go, more is better. You know that was the original lie? And it was a more that was actually less. It was a more that the tempter was pointing to that was actually saying you could have this when they already did. And this heart thing gets very, very dangerous. You know, we do have this more is better mentality. And we think about it. I mean, one dollar is great. Two is better. Right? $100 is great. $200 is better. Right? Oh, taking a trip this year would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Oh, that was so great. Let's do another one. Two is better. Right? Oh, man. One day off is awesome. 
oh, I wish we could just have two days off every week. Now, do you see where this is going? I mean, let's just make it really obvious. One scoop of ice cream is better. <laughs> two is better than one. Whoops, one scoop is good. Two is better, right? Forget the scoop. One bowl is good. <laughs> two bowls is better. One carton. Never mind. All right. I have, I love food, so it kind of goes there really easy for me. <clears throat> My don't like it items on a don't like it food list is really short. <laughs> but one item that's on there is corn dogs. <sighs> you know why? Junior high. One is good. Two is better. Oh, three is better. Oh, four is all bleh. Corn dogs everywhere. It's not better. Surprise me. It is not better. And it's been 50-something years, and it's still not better. And it's on my short, I hate corn dogs list. I've, it's been long enough. I think I can maybe do a corn dog and set that memory aside. But, you know, it's like it's not all better. So, scripturally speaking, that more is better is an equation that our world just pumps into our hearts, and it's not the stuff that's the problem, it's that lie that our heart starts to believe. The meaning of life comes from more. Isn't that where the problem is? I'm not happy because I need that, right? I have that, and I'm not happy, I want that. And that's the trap that we end up buying into when we're not figuring out how to let go of stuff. Ecclesiastes 4.6 reads this way. I want you to help me by reading the underlying portion as we read and read it loudly with confidence. And here we go. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Do you see this equation here? One and two, which is better? One. Interesting equation here. One handful with tranquility is better than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, we read this. I want you to see this all underlined. You're going to read it all. Ready? Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now, with that narrow truth right there, it doesn't tell us what life consists of. But that's our job right now, to realize that it doesn't consist of more and more possessions. If you end up going for that as your value in life, your happiness, your fulfillment, your desires, and that makes me feel happier, better, nicer. We just need to confront that. Your heart has to figure out how to let that go because life is found in God through Jesus as our Savior. I have something better for you. I have a fully meaningful, contentment, fulfilled life for you, and I'm the source, not stuff. You're going to have to figure, out, figure that out, but you've got to let some stuff go and put in your pack. Now think of your pack as time. Even in terms of our 
day, every one of us has the same size pack. Right? And so if we're filling our pack with that which is more, more, more of the wrong stuff, there's no room for the right stuff which helps us figure out what life is really about. So for the rest of today, we're going to talk about one handful living, point number two, one handful living. Because again, here's the reminder, Ecclesiastes 4, 6, better, here, you read it, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. So the one handful is with balance, with peace, with the presence of God. And that's beautiful, even if you don't have a lot of stuff. But if you have all the stuff and it's starting to wear away your tranquility, and it can do that. I mean, I'll just speak for me. I am not a mechanic. And so the more mechanical things that I have and the more maintenance is required, it's like it's taking too much of me. Now, do you realize it's not just about mechanics? Everything we own that requires maintenance, if you have more and more and more, it takes more and more of you. And it's like the more we have, the harder it is to manage what we have. And where are we robbing from to manage all that stuff? And we end up with some of that stress. It can ruin your peace. It can ruin your balance. But here, I want to be sure that you understand this before we keep going. Reflect. Having stuff is not bad. God provides good stuff for us to enjoy. I want you to look up, not right now, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. You can jot that down or turn your outline over. One of the questions has the reference there. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. But the hold that stuff has on you can be bad. So there's a difference. You hold stuff, you're holding stuff, you're holding more stuff. That's one thing. But really what we're talking about is when stuff has a hold of you. And you can't seem to let that hold go. And you aren't happy until you have more. Now it's got you. And the problem is, well, it's a lot like putting the wrong tent in here. I mean, really. Discontent or content? Which tent did you put in here? What tent do you live in? What tent do you carry on? Continual discontent? I'm just not happy. I want more. Because contentment is based on enjoying what God provides. Discontentment is focusing on what you don't have. I need, I need more. And really, it isn't about the stuff. It's about stuff's hold on you. And this is really important to get a hold of. More stuff never brings meaningful fulfillment. Only God can fully satisfy that longing. More stuff often means less enjoyment, and I hope to present that to you now. So, if you're a double-fisted, more, more, more. I need more kind of guy, and I catch myself there. And if you're like me in that way, what do we do? So A, B, C, here's what we do. A, throw out. Now notice I didn't say throw up. I right, throw, throw out. Now that doesn't just mean um, take all that stuff and put it in the dumpster. 
That's not what I'm talking about. It means all that stuff that has a hold on your heart, you've got to throw it off the throne of your heart. It's ruling you. It's got you under its control. You're not happy. You're discontent because you want more. Throw it off. So it's not ruling you, and there are some ways to do that. So we're going to turn to a passage in Matthew, Matthew 19, where Jesus confronts a very religious guy who wants to serve God, who thinks he is serving God, who thinks he's got it all checked off his list, but Jesus identifies the one problem this guy has, and it happens to be stuff. And here's what Jesus says, go sell your stuff. Go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Now you need to understand, Jesus is not saying everybody has to do this. Jesus identified the problem with this guy's heart. This guy's heart had everything everybody wanted, but What he didn't realize is that wealth had a death grip on him. He had all the stuff everybody wished they could have and all the wealth and security everybody wished they could have, but he was placing all his meaning, his identity, his security, who he was in his stuff. I'm secure because I have money. I'm Secure because I have all these flocks. I'm okay and looked upon as important because I have all this stuff. His identity was in the wrong stuff. His value was in the wrong thing. He was caught by the trap of greed. And Jesus knew it. He says, you want to get untrapped by that? The only way I know how to get untrapped by that is throw it off your throne. And for you, you need to sell it. You have a decision to make. And this guy, take a look what it says. He decided not to sell a thing. He came to Jesus looking for answers. He came to Jesus looking to the right source for the right kind of answers. And Jesus says, here's what you do. Here's how you move from where you are to where I want you to be. And the guy says, I can't do that because he had a problem. And here's what he did. He hung on to the stuff and went away sad. And it says, Why? Because he had great wealth. This is wealth's death grip on a person. And the more you have, the more dangerous it can be. Because you're looking to the wrong stuff instead of to God for fulfillment. Lord Jesus Christ to make you happy. Relationships that are important. You're valuing here instead of there. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. The Savior is taking us into an eternal glory. Live for glory now. I can't, he says, I can't. This is my glory. No, it's not. You're trapped. You've bought a lie. You've got to throw it off. And that was the answer for him. So for some of us, it could mean selling some stuff off. It may not be that. It may be trying to figure out how to get it off the throne. So I'm just going to ask some awkward questions. Don't raise your hands. How many of you have a whole set of VHS tapes tapes that are just collecting dust? 
And then my VHS player broke. So I bought a new one. How many of you have clothes you haven't worn for well over a year in your closet? Don't raise your hand. Well, they're coming back in style. They will. I know it. And someday, I'm going to be able to fit that again. Right? And, and it's like, the whole idea of selling this stuff or get rid of this stuff, it's like, that's really dumb. I mean, here's how we answer it. We, we answer like this. We say, well, I want to be a good steward of everything I have. It'd be stupid to get rid of it. I might need it someday. Don't raise your hands here. How many of you have, you're paying every month a storage shed for the stuff that you might be able to use someday and you haven't used any of it. It's just collecting dust. Is that good stewardship? What if we take that wisdom and we change it to a higher wisdom that goes something like this? Rather than think, I might be able to use that someday, you say, you know what? God is the provider. He provided me with this. I don't need it right now, but he does. Or she does. What if we gave it to somebody who needs the stuff we don't need right now and give it to them? Well, you might need it later. So, God is the provider. You've provided for me before. I'm going to just trust you, God, that you'll provide for me again if I do need that later. I'm not needing this right now. I'm going to give it to him who does need it. You provide for me later. That's an act of faith. It's a higher wisdom. So, somebody might say, that's radical. That's really, really radical. But why would anybody do that? Let's get back to the verse we started with, Ecclesiastes 4.6. You start it, better, let's say it again, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Why would you do that? Because life that is able to offload the trap, offload the death grip of stuff is better because you're more generous, you're more free, you're traveling light, you're able to move, you're able to do things that you couldn't do before, and you're blessing people, and you see that life isn't about accumulating all this here, it's beyond that, it's living for glory now, and it's going somewhere, and it isn't about that stuff. I'm preaching to me now, you can feel free to listen in. So, better, one half, handful living, throw out. B on your outline is buy less. And I know, this is awkward to talk about this because we're all buying right now. Because it's Christmas. Buy less. So I'm going to just ask some questions and put it on the screen for you so that we can kind of stay on target here. Do you ever buy stuff just because it feels good to buy stuff? <laughs> That's me. I'm, it's like payday. You know what? It'd be really fun. I'm going to go out and buy. It's fun to buy stuff, Right? So is shopping a form of entertainment now for you? Are you buying with money you have or money you don't have? Now, if you're buying with money you don't have, are you going to feel good later? Right when I said that in the second service, somebody started crying over here. Yeah, it was a baby, but it just it made, a, <laughs> it made a point, you know? It's like, yeah. 
No, you don't feel good later because you're deeper in the hole with money you don't have and the debt thing just got deeper and deeper and deeper. And when you feel bad, then are you going to go buy more stuff to cheer yourself up? I hope not because you're going to cry more. You know, you see the downward spiral of the dangerous trap of stuff. Psalm 119.37 reads this way. Ready to read the underlying point? Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Now, I want to talk about that a little bit. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. So we're going to talk about aim. If I'm aiming my life on stuff, and I'm aiming it there for my ultimate fulfillment and and being fully satisfied in life, and I'm aiming at stuff to satisfy me, He's saying, don't do it. It's worthless. It's never going to really do it. You can't be fully satisfied there. Turn it away from worthless things and turn it to the word of God because God is the source of you being fully satisfied. Now let's get back to the time thing. Your backpack has the same amount of time as everybody else's time. So if all of your time is meaningless stuff, meaningless focus, meaningless entertainment. It's not really doing much for making you good inside. Guess what? Your pack is too full. You can't fit in that which will bring you ultimate, true satisfaction. Turn your focus away from that to the Word of God. Turn your focus away from that to the Lord, to the Lord in worship, to the Lord in trust, to the Lord as the source of your provision of a good and satisfying life. So what if we turned our eyes or turned our aim. I put some questions on the screen for you. What if we turned our eyes and we aimed to be so filled with the goodness of God that we don't need meaningless things to feel better about ourselves? It's possible, you know. When you turn to the word of God and turn to the truth about yourself as God creates new love and life in you, boy, you no longer need this thing, this fix, this lie. What if we didn't need stuff to define who we are? I think a lot of people are lost. They don't know who they are, so they're just trying to fill themselves up with some sort of meaning, and they feel more meaningful when they have this nicer car. They feel like their identity is better if they have the nicer clothes. They feel like it's all about their image and identity. It's like, wait, you don't even know who you are. You're a child of the king. You've been made with a noble purpose. He has a plan for your life, and it's an eternal plan. Know who you are in Jesus, and you won't Go for all this stuff to try to get meaning and identity. What if we were to elevate meaningful experiences and meaningful relationships over stuff? I want to give a couple of examples just to get us aimed in a certain direction. I have in my backyard, there's a portion that I kept really natural. So these these, uh, native natural sage bushes that are taking over certain sections, and some of them are like seven, eight feet tall. And um, I did something with one of the sage bushes at one of our family gatherings with with, uh, grandkids about. And it was because I remembered something my dad did nearly 50 years ago. So kids are playing around. They're hiding and hiding from one another and hiding on the other side of the sage bush. And I say, hey, kids, kids, come here. Just to several of them, not all of them. Come over here. Wouldn't it be cool if, would you like it if, see all this dead wood underneath the sage tree? 
what if I were to cut some of that deadwood out and create this tunnel, like a little hiding fort? Inside of there, you should have seen their eyes go bing. It's like, oh, cool. Can we do that, really? Uh, should have checked first. Let me go check. <laughs> yes. And I'd cut out this tunnel in the sage and create out this little den for it. Would have been better if it was a dry day. They would probably have enjoyed it more. Because uh, there's mud and they're getting hiding inside this thing. It was just, but they had a grand time. You know where I got that from? 50 years ago, my dad cut the mulberry tree, all these long limbs, and pruned it back. And instead of just hauling it off, he created a fort for me, my little brother, and our neighbor friends. And it was, a, it was a, just an incredible fort. All these branches and leaves. And literally, once you got inside, you could not see outside. And the people on the outside had no idea where inside. He made multiple rooms. And we played in it all day. And my dad said, do you guys want to sleep the night in there? Yeah, can we do that? Yeah, sure you can. We had a grand time. An indelible memory cost zero dollars. Fifty years later, it's paying dividends to the third generation. What if we were to leverage meaningful relationships instead of... Maybe you don't do this, but I've been caught doing this. We buy this stuff to entertain our kids that can be independently entertained so that the stuff that I bought for the adults, we could do our stuff and they could do their stuff. And it's passive entertainment. My passive entertainment, your passive entertainment. How much leverage is that? It's nowhere near as imaginative or wonderful or memory building as this kind of thing. When my kids were teenagers... One of the favorite memories, out of a bunch of favorite memories, is playing hide-and-seek in the dark inside our house with their friends. I mean, what teenager does that? Right? But my teenagers, we've been leveraging relationships and doing weird stuff like this. Their friends thought it was awesome to be running around inside the house and it's okay and climbing up on top of the refrigerator and hiding there and getting in the cupboards and hiding behind stuff. It's like cool. And the layout of the house is like this uh, circular hallway. So while one person's coming this way, we could get to base the other way. It was awesome. Lights out. Great time. Been trying the hide and seek thing with the little grandkids. Just recently, the three older ones, we said, do you want to play it in the dark? Yeah. Before that, no. You got to kind of figure out which age you can do this with, but you're leveraging meaningful relationships, cost zero dollars, indelible memories for generations to come. But you're sad you didn't have grandkids. It doesn't matter. You have relationships. Leverage those relationships for meaningful relationships. So throw it out. Buy less, see on your outline, live more, give more, love more, laugh more. I couldn't just settle on one line. So you can write those down, but you have to settle on one thing you're going to do this week. Which is it going to be? Live more, give more, love more, laugh more. Which one are you going for? And I want to challenge you, look over your outline now, focus on more of what's important, less on what's not important, and are, what are you going to throw out so that you can pull this off? Are you going to buy less? Are you going to evaluate your buying? 
And which thing are you going to do? So circle one thing that the Spirit of God is saying, yeah, I'd like to try this. Be a whole lot better that you did something this week than go away and go, I like that message. That was good. And do nothing. Okay? (laughs) Do something. Take a minute. Circle something. And write next to it what you hope to do this week. Let's finish with this. Are you accumulating on earth what you cannot keep or are you investing in heaven what you cannot lose? Are you accumulating on earth what you cannot keep or are you investing in heaven what you cannot lose? Would you pray with me? Father, this is a very challenging message. Our world does compress, conform us, cause our hearts to desire things, more things, and find contentment in the wrong places. We want to make sure that you are our Savior, that you are our source, that we view you as our provider, the provider of ultimate joy, laughter and love and giving that comes through us because you gave so much to us, even giving forgiveness because you forgave, giving love because you love. God, inside of me, I want to make sure to bump off the trap and evaluate even my buying and evaluate how I look at the next thing I want and see you as my happiness, not that thing. Help us in all of that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for coming today. We have a prayer team to the right of the stage. If you have any kind of prayer need, take advantage of that. Just let them know what's going on and they'd be happy to pray for you. Hope to see you next week for week two of Travelite.